Hello, welcome to Prince Track by Track. I'm your host Darren, and today we're going to be talking about I Know, the first track from Love Sexy, uh, Prince's 10th album. Um, here he was 10 years into his career. Little did people know that that would be only the first and a third of his career. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, for most bands, 10 albums is kind of, you know, is a long way into the career. For Prince, it's merely a decade. Um, this track uh, was recorded on the 11th of December 1987 at Paisley Park and released uh, on the 10th of May 1988. Um, on the track, you have Prince's band at the time. Uh, they have been touring for uh, Sign of the Times, um, and um, you know, obviously, Prince retained them for most of the tracks on this album. There are a few which are just Prince by himself. Um, and you have on drums Sheila E, you have on guitar Micah Weaver, on bass you have Levi, you've got Dr. Fink mm. coming over from the old uh, the old revolution on keyboards, you have Bonnie Boyer on keyboards and backing vocals, uh, you have of course Eric Lees and Atlanta Bliss who were first introduced on uh, Parade, uh, as on saxophone and trumpet, and then you have Wally Safford and Greg Brooks who um, at this particular point were kind of like backing dancers. Uh, oh, yeah. When they're on stage with Prince, he would do a lot of kind of, uh, on the 87 tour at least, he would interact with them quite a lot. By the 88 tour, they were no longer <laughs> in the band, or at least they were no longer touring with him, should I say. Because yeah. I, I don't think either of them had like a, you know, a kind of a breakup with Prince at any point. I think they stayed friendly with him for a number of years after this. Um, and we get the intro at the beginning of the album spoken by... Ingrid Chavez. <laughs> I feel like we'll talk a lot more about Ingrid Chavez in a couple of albums' time. Yeah. Uh, but it's worth saying that her notoriety um, before Graffiti Bridge came from the fact that she co-wrote the song "Justify My Love" uh, with with Lenny Kravitz. Right. Yeah. And but unfortunately, <laughs> she wasn't credited, so she had to sue uh, Madonna to get credit. And eventually, uh, you know, Madonna settled and did give her credit. Uh, and so, you know, obviously both her and Lenny Kravitz made a, a fair amount of money off that song. Yeah. On the 1988 tour of this album, Prince would use um, Anastasia as kind of the, the end of the first half. And I Know would be the, the introduction to the second half. But it would start with a very lengthy, <laughs> um, I don't know what to call it, like a, a I don't know, a, a ballet segue, but with Cat. I don't know. It, it had some of kind of Ingrid Chavez's, um, you know, spoken word stuff. Um, and there is a little, there's a line where she says, near a bridge of graffiti, there lives a band whose soul belongs to God. Mm. Obviously, that, that kind of phrase uh, would later be used, uh, a, a graffiti bridge. I wonder what that would lead to. There's also a number of kind of like sound effects that Prince uses, uh, and they're taken from the BBC Radiophonic Workshop's 1976 album, Atmospheric Sounds mm. and Effects. Um, so, so um, I just think I just think it's funny that Prince is like using a BBC album from the seventies to kind of have some of the effects. You know, you, you're um, trying to do what what, what what best you have. The track is five minutes forty seven. Although it's worth saying that um, the original pressings of Love Sexy on CD. It was just one track. Yes. Um, and you had to listen to it all in one go. You, <laughs> yeah, you had no... The, the kind of the only saving grace that um, CDs had over kind of other music technology at the time was you could skip to certain tracks. Uh, but you could not do that with this. Uh, later pressings had, you know, the tracks broken up. So that 547 could be a little bit shorter or a little bit longer, depending on, on which kind of CD pressing you got. Um, joining me to talk about this uh, track today is Elliot Wallace. Hello, Elliot. Hundercelia. Okay, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how to start this off. But uh, yeah, Hundercelia. I, I, yeah, I think that's the actual thing he's saying. <laughs> uh, well, before we get into the discussion... Before we get into the discussion of the track, Elliot, let's talk yeah. a little bit about how this project came about. Because I feel like we can't just 
uh, jump into you know what is a kind of I don't, I'm, a, a kind of weird wishy washy kind of Prince song. Uh, without discussing why Prince has gone in this direction. After Sign of the Times, um, you know, Prince had Paisley Park. It had been finished, and he he went back to Paisley Park, and he recorded the Black Album. Um, Now, contrary to some belief, people are under the impression that somehow the Black Album was recorded all at once, but there were a lot of older tracks that were put onto the Black Album, kind of re-recorded. Obviously, we'll talk about that when we get to the Black Album in a few months' time. Yeah. Um, but Prince had the idea of releasing the Black Album. It would just have a black sleeve. It would have a, a catalogue number on, which would be in Peach. Uh, at this particular time, Peach, you know, Prince was very taken with Peach. Yeah. He was dressing all in Peach. He had a Peach version of his his um, his, 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 um, his guitar. Um, you know, so... And it wouldn't say who the artist was. It wouldn't have a name, Prince. I don't think he ever really called it the Black Album, um, apart from for that one frame in Alphabet Street, where, you know, obviously... That's how people have come to refer to it. So uh, when he said, please don't buy the Black Album, you know, that's the only time he ever kind of referred to the album's name. Um, so, you know, Warner Brothers were fine with this. You know, they'd, they'd obviously at this point, you know, since Prince's success with Purple Rain, they'd had him do a psychedelic album. And then he did Under the Cherry Moon, which had like a, a jazz album. Then he, ha- he wanted to do a triple album. And they convinced him to do a double album. And now he wanted to release an album without any credit or name or song listed on. So Warner Brothers were kind of at this point used to Prince having these odd demands. And they were more than happy to go ahead with this. And they started pressing the record. They they had the tracks, you know, assembled. It was eight tracks long, uh, four on each side. And they started pressing copies of the Black Album. They started, you know, getting ready for distribution. And then Prince, at the very last minute decided to call it off mm. and he said he didn't want to release the album and so Warner Brothers they conceded but they they now you know th- the idea was to release the album uh, in in the March Prince had released you know um, Parade in, at the end of March in 86 and he'd released Sign of Times at the end of March in 87 so we, they were looking at a March 88 release for this album um, and you know in the end the album was delayed until the 10th of May and so Prince he agreed you know obviously we're not going to release the Black Album but in its stead I will record a new album right. as it was he retained one of the songs from the Black Album uh, which is the ballad that doesn't fit with the other seven songs that are on it <laughs> so um, and then he recorded some new songs and he basically recorded them in the space of about three weeks mm. in Paisley oh, Park wow. Um, wow. this is one of the earliest tracks um, and then the one of the, the later tracks, I think it was about the 30th of January was when he actually finished all the all the tracks and submitted the, the version to uh, to Warner Brothers. Um, and then obviously they, they came up with the idea of having Alphabet Street as the as the lead single. Um, and then Prince went out on tour on what would be his most expensive tour. Yeah. Um, and another demand was that the, the, the Love Sexy tour was this gigantic kind of two hour tour. The first half would be the kind of um, the songs that were the influence of Spooky Electric, um, including a couple of songs off the Black Album that basically people had never heard before yeah. or, should, or shouldn't have heard before. Obviously, the Black Album ended up being bootlegged. And, you know, people had copies of it. So some people, Super Funk Califragisexy, I, I think is the title, isn't it? <laughs> um, and, and also Bob George, you know, which kind of finishes the first half of the tour, uh, the first half of like the, the concert. And then the second half uh, kind of has Anastasia as the kind of centerpiece. And then it goes into I Know and you get, you know, Love Sexy. And there's, there's you know, tracks from Love Sexy start off the second half and then it kind of goes into a greatest hits. 
Um, and Prince rides out on a, a Thunderbird on a hydraulic arm oh. at the start, and he leaves at the end, and throughout the show, the stage is constantly being rearranged. Uh, there's a, there's a, at one point, there's a basketball court that is on there so that Prince can shoot shoot some hoops. Oh. Um, I mean, eventually, this, this kind of... Um, I, w- I don't want to say hubris, but the demands that Prince made eventually had to be repaid, uh, and they would be the following year when he was shanghaied into doing a Batman soundtrack album. Mm. Uh, but, you know, we, we'll talk about that at a later date. But basically, Prince, you know, in the in the booklet for the 1988 tour, he laid out how, you know, Spooky Electric had kind of, you know, tempted him mm. and he had resisted that temptation and he had recorded Love Sexy as the kind of the lighter version um, of, of Prince. Um, and, you know, uh, there are stories that Prince, uh, you know, rejected the, the Black Album and recorded Love Sexy because of a... Uh, because he had taken some ecstasy mm. and, you know, he had like a vision that the, the Black Album would kind of lead to his downfall and he decided that, you know, he needed to make a, a song that was more positive and, you know, and, and kind of more upbeat. And so, you know, we end up at Love Sexy. It's kind of one of those things where when I was younger, mm-hmm. obviously, I, I think I'm a little older than you. So but I just remember the Black Album just being this thing that people for seven years, it, it was the one thing about Prince that kind of. Um, people, you know, um, certainly inside the kind of music industry or music fans kind of knew about yeah. this, this. The idea that an artist could re- could record an entire album and then just throw it aside and record a brand new album to replace it. Yeah. Like, it's not something that happens very often. And record companies don't generally indulge people to that point. I mean, if, if you know, if, say, Kanye West recorded an entire album and then said, no, I'm not going to release it, and then recorded a br- another album, that would be kind of like front-page news because... You know, artists don't generally have, particularly these days, I don't feel like they have the same kind of rate of production that Prince had. It, you know, it, it would be leaked, especially nowadays. It yeah. definitely be leaked. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the thing as well. It's a lot harder to kind of keep, kind of to record an album, reject it and release a new one yeah. without the old one somewhere down the line getting leaked, yes. Yeah. Um, but like the idea of, at this point, Prince was in Paisley Park and he was basically recording 24-7. Yeah. You know, like the, 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 once he got into Paisley Park, this is this is essentially what he'd been spending the last ten years waiting for. You know, he'd had a number of different home studios, and he really just wanted a place where he could walk in and he could just say to an engineer who was on staff, whoever it was, "I'm recording a couple of songs," and then just start recording, and then you know the following day finish the mixing and have a finished song. Mm. That would kind of be a driver for the rest of Prince's career as to kind of some of the disputes he had with Warner Brothers because he wanted to constantly, he just basically wanted to always be releasing music and Warner Brothers just wanted him to to just take a breath every now and again and just promote an album and kind of, you know, actually sell it to the public. Yeah, Prince really just wanted, you know, he was, as his name would later become, you know, he was an artist (laughs) and and he just wanted to record. Yeah. So, you know, when you people say the artist formerly known as Prince, I would say to them, the artist always yeah. known as Prince, but always an artist more than anything else, um, you know. But I mean, I, I, obviously, you know, we can talk about the Black Album when we get to it. But obviously, what are your thoughts on the idea of Prince, you know, just kind of recording an album, casting it aside and then recording a new one? It's it's something that like to, even to me now, it sounds it's like remarkable that he was able to just do that. I mean, I just think of it as honestly, honestly, I think of it as Prince being Prince. I wish like because he, <laughs> he seems so very um he seemed very private so i can i can't understand his his songwriting methods and i don't think i can understand his other methods for why he would 
release something or not release something, what affected him, or if he's telling the truth about why he released something, or if he's telling the truth, you know, it just seems like he's being Prince. He's just doing it. He's, he's building a certain kind of mystique, and in which, you know, it's a million-dollar mystique, but it's a, it's a mystique for, um, you know, I don't think this record's going to be good, so how about you don't put it out? But if you want me to record something, I guess I will. But, you know, this isn't going to work. It just feels, I mean, it would be interesting to see that nowadays. And there are, there are some artists who at least feel like they are constantly creating. But I think because of just how Prince functioned, where he needed to always be uh, creating in some way, I think that's kind of the, the only thing I can kind of tell from him. But the specific things of why he wants something released or why he doesn't want something released, I couldn't, I couldn't say. I think that I think that's the thing is obviously you know the legend of the Black Album kind of grew, like it, you know year on year yeah. when it wasn't released. So it certainly kind of you know it attained a certain kind of level. By the time we actually got to hear the album, I feel some people were kind yeah. of disappointed uh, by what they heard. Um, but you know, let's talk about I know recorded I run on the same day as Positivity, which is the right. final oh, track wow. of Love Sexy. So Prince had kind of, you know, he recorded the first and the last on the same day, uh, showing how, how quickly he was working here. There was a track called The Ball, uh, which Prince had recorded in mm-hmm. 1986. Part of that, recorded a few days before a song called Soul Psychedelicide, uh, is, a, is referenced in the song Joy and Repetition, which was also recorded the same day as The Ball. The Ball kind of, it has, you know, like the, for, for, from I Know, it has the, the kind of main riff. And that kind of then turned into I Know. Uh, so Prince, even when he had to record like a new album, just going, well, here's an old song, let's re-record yeah. it and let's turn it yeah. into a new song. And of course, worth saying that this is the first time that Prince changed uh, the use of I into a little hieroglyph of, yeah. of an I. And, you know, he instead of writing No as K-N-O-W, he writes it as N-O. Yeah. You know, which, you know, might be just, a you know, the fact that this, the song is... It has the word no a lot in it, <laughs> and, oh, and, not, yeah. and not not starting with the K N O W. So, you know, he that might not be his spelling of that, but it is because in later years he would he would always spell no uh, either way yeah. as as that, and he started using the I in so many different things. Uh, there's a few tracks later on where it's just like it does lots make of it hard to look up. Yeah, it's lots of lots of like I hieroglyphs in some of his later songs when it's like I ha- yeah. I I love you but I don't hate you and or songs like that. And so yeah. Um, you know, the, it came out of another song and, you know, it has a kind of, it has this, this introduction uh, from Ingrid Chavez uh, where she says, rain is wet and sugar is sweet, clap your hands and stomp your feet. Everybody knows when love calls, you got to go. And then in the background, you have this kind of, I know, being repeated over and over again. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> Prince saying, and I just love, I love this introduction because when he does it live, it's even funnier. Um, <laughs> he says, welcome to the new power generation, of course, first first use of that phrase. Uh, the reason yeah. my voice is so clear is there's no smack in my brain. <laughs> and that's the sp- you know, spoken, like- just a spoken introduction from Prince. And I'm just like, um, okay, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it might, it, I guess that's how the, uh, the uh, rumor of the ecstasy impacting his decision. Yeah. Either grew or he might be responding to it. I'm not sure when that when that uh, rumor came out, but uh, or in, I guess it's also like just how drugs kind of became so associated with the 80s. Yeah. Um, 
So I think that's part of that too. Yeah, and it's worth saying, you know, obviously there are a number of artists over the year who have been kind of um, known heroin users. I mean, Kurt Cobain, yeah. a few years later after this, you know, obviously one, one of the more famous ones, um, you know, so... I think maybe Prince once again. I mean, he said this. He said this in um, Pop Life, you know, where he, where he talked about, you know, is it going up your nose? The idea that he's yeah. kind of drug free is something that Prince, particularly in the eighties, uh, would like to emphasize. And then we get the word, which I, I mean, I've always heard as Honda lascivious. That's how I've always heard it. Um, and I, you know, I guess people hear it differently. So I'm looking at the lyrics, and it says Honda lascivious. So yeah. H U N D A L A S I L I A H. And remember, that is our secret phrase for this show. So <laughs> every time you hear it, get the scream like Pee Wee's Uh Yeah. So, I mean, this, and it gets repeated a few times throughout the song, you know, mm-hmm. and we get the kind of. Most of this album is very kind of spiritual. So the lyrics aren't really that much of a surprise where Prince says, I know there is a heaven, I know there is a hell. Listen to me, people, I've got a story to tell. Worth saying, of course, he's. He's into the, after the spoken introduction, he's into his falsetto, you know, and he says, I know there was confusion, lightning all around me. That's when I called his name. Don't you know he found me? And the chorus references Spooky Electric, where it says, is what Spooky Electric say. And I know it's not okay, but love is the only way until my day and day. Um, And then, you know, the rest of the band say no. And he says, till my day and day, I'll be okay. Because love sexy is the one. Till my day is done. So referencing the title of the album and spooky electric and saying Honda Lascivia over and over again. This is a very kind of like in in terms of like Prince stuff. This is very kind of like inside. There's like a lot of kind of like um, you know inside of Prince stuff. If you were to hear people him singing about spooky electric, I'm sure most people would be like, I don't know what he's talking about there. Um, yeah, and you might kind of like go, you might kind of ignore what the actual lyrics are and just kind of get into the groove. It feels like something of uh, how artists create their own uh, world, but they share it. And if you're a fan, you're going to go out and read all the text to try to understand it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, you know, I in terms of like the production, I mean, the fact that you have the whole band on there, I love this band. And, you know, um, I, I, love, I love the kind of production on this song. You know, it's really kind of like, um, you know, it's very kind of like funky. There's like a real kind of groove to it. And you know, yeah. regardless of kind of what the lyrics are saying um, and the, the kind of weird spoken intro with Ingrid Chavez and stuff, once the song actually gets going, you know, it really, you know, it really kind of moves, um, you know. And for the verse, he says, I know there is a devil because he talks so loud. He makes you do things that your friends do, hang out with the crowd. And then the song kind of gets quiet when Prince says, but my Lord is so quiet when he calls your name. When you hear it, your heart will thunder. You will want it every day, and it kind of crescendos back up to the to the to the chorus, um, you know. So this isn't a song that kind of stays on one kind of um, you know version, it, you know. Like once it doesn't stay yeah. in one groove, it kind of changes up between the verses and chorus, um, you know. And then obviously we go back to the chorus um, where Prince is talking once more about Spooky Electric. Now, I mean, when he says lightning and confusion was all around him, I don't know if that's a direct reference to the Black Album and how. You know, that's what, you know, that's obviously what he felt, you know, that Spooky Electric was the one making him make the Black Album. And so that's what the confusion was. And, you know, this now he knows, like he says, Love Sexy is the one until my day is done. Maybe in that moment, that's how he was feeling and how whether Spooky Electric was something inside of him and he was frustrated. And that's when that's how the Black Album came out. And he then he looked back at it and said, that's not who I am, or what I stand for, or how I want to be interpreted. Yeah. And 
then I guess find and then connecting again with uh, with God in his own kind of way. When I when I first heard it, I thought of of, of Housequake. Yeah, yeah, it is. Sim- it has a similar kind of feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, particularly the next yeah, part but, where we get the um, where Prince says everybody in the house, and you get a yeah, you get a yeah. you get a quick survey of Frankie, which is. Um, actually from one of the songs of the Black Album. I, I can't remember which one it is. So that's essentially like a sample from the Black Album being done there. Um, and then Prince, yeah. as with the housequake, he gives the instructions of here's what he wants you to do. Raise your hand up straight in the air. Swing it to the right. Savoir faire? I mean... Savoir faire. <laughs> up on the two, swing on the four, everybody on the dance floor. And when they do the live version, the entire band is is up on the two and they're swinging on the four. And it is, it's like fun to watch. And the crowd kind of get into it. And, you know, then Prince kind of goes sha, <laughs> as the lyrics describe it. But basically, the kind of the rhythm of the, of the lyrics then describe a kind of fit in the beat and let you know where the two and the four is. Um, and yeah, yeah, it does kind of it has like that feel of Housequake where he does roughly a kind of similar thing of, of kind of instructing, instructing the crowd on how to kind of do the Housequake. Um, you yeah, know, and here he's kind of instructing them how to do. I don't know the I know. I don't know that that's a dance move, but uh, I think when, earlier in an earlier episode we were talking. I was talking about kind of how each uh, album, what it or like what theme it has, and I think we were saying that Love Sexy is kind of his most uh, like a religious or a gospel yeah. kind of record, and I think that along with the the, the form of Housequake and kind of the funk there. This also has uh, a certain kind of feel to it. It is kind of gospel, gospel funk. If we were to kind of uh, like, that's how I kind of the genre for it. Yeah, it's like a different kind of gospel, but a definitely a funk record with a gospel feel of it. We get then, you know, the the kind of return to um, the chorus where you know Prince is saying, uh, "If you can't find your way, everybody say no. If you're afraid, everybody got it made." If you want a drug other than the God above, <laughs> if you need a drink every single day, blow that devil away. And we get, I, lo- I mean, I yeah. love the horns as well, because they really kind of counterpoint what Prince is saying. Um, and, you know, when he says blow the devil away, they kind of, there's like a little bit of a horn sting. Uh, and then this is the point where, you know, during the song, we've had say no as the kind of refrain. And then Prince turns yeah. it on its head and he goes, say yes. And then he's like, yes, if you if you want this feeling called love, if you want to raise your hand up to the man above, um, up on the two, swing on the four, everybody want to open this door. So, you know, he changes the kind of the, 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 the theme of the song from being about saying no to saying yes. You know, when, when they do it live, this is the point which Prince kind of has the crowd saying yes um, and then have them saying no and kind of, you know, make it basically kind of controlling the crowd. And, mm. and you know, Prince saying... You know, we know a better way to have some fun. There is a heaven and a hell. I know there is a heaven and a hell. And then it kind of breaks. And then we get this weird kind of outro. Was this from the um, Library of Music 2? No, this is Prince. This is this is Prince doing all this. This is this is kind of the stuff that was actually um, part of the, the, the ball, uh, the track that it came from. Mm. And in fact, when it gets to the end and you get the, the kind of crescendo of the horns... Um, that was actually the part that kind of led a bit into the crowd noise at the start of Joy and Repetition, um, if, you, if you know the start of that song. So it's kind of from the same thing. So if you took this and then put Joy and Repetition after it, you'd have kind of roughly the same kind of like crowd noises. But I, I, the only it's thing... It's like a Radiohead album. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that kind of stands out is when 
you hear Prince say, my name's Andre Crabtree the <laughs> third. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, I've got more holes than a golf course. Yeah. Like, I mean, a, a lot of the, the kind of the outro is just kind of like a breakdown with the kind of the, the horns and uh, and like a keyboard kind of having descending chords. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's it's not a great way to finish the song, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a fun way. Um, you know, the kind yeah. of the talking, the various little things are being said. But I just love the fact that someone says they're Andre Crabtree III. Like, that's just, I mean, I don't know why Prince didn't record an entire album under the name Arnold Andre Crabtree III and just put it out. He already had that. Yeah. How many characters so far? Obviously, it, you know, it gradually builds up until Prince says no. Um, and then that turns into Alphabet Street. The first, the first kind of yeah. no from Alphabet Street is the final no from this song, essentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting way to start the album because, um, you know, uh, it, like like you said, it is kind of like a gospel funk. It really does kind of lay out the table for what this album is going to be, you know, like and almost, almost saying to people who maybe bought Sign of the Times, as they did with Purple Rain, you know, saying this isn't going to be Sign of the Times 2. You know, this is not the third disc of Sign of the Times, just like Around the World in a Day was not Purple Rain 2. You know, Prince, once again, kind of like deliberately changing direction. And, you know, making it clear to the audience that the rest of this album is going to be completely different to to how Sign of the Times was. So, you know, don't be expecting more of that, um, you know. But I mean, I, I would say personally, I think four out of five. And I say that because I really enjoy the kind of the beat of it. And I enjoy the fact that Prince kind of takes it in a couple of different directions and then kind of goes through this weird kind of breakdown. I'm going to admit at least one of those stars out of five is just for Andre Crabtree the third. So. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll give it a four out of five, too. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's, yeah, I think it's, I'm trying to think of how else to say it. But yeah, it's just a four out of five. I don't know. I would have to really sit down and listen to it. Well, sexy a little bit more because it was weird listening to how this song ended and went into Alphabet Street because it also then felt, for as much as this song felt like a religious experience, this also kind of felt like you were going on a, uh, a uh, car ride or a, like a, a, a not joy ride, but like going on a trip. Yeah. Felt like Prince was now taking you on a trip. So I wanted to see where that goes. But I think right now, just kind of listening to itself. You know, it's definitely a four out of five. Yeah. Um, I wasn't able to find any kind of like cover versions or anything, which I think is understandable yeah. because, you know, I would say it's kind of the quintessential album track. It's it's just like, you know, the open, yeah. the opening song to, you know, this, this kind of album that Prince put together because... You know, he essentially owed Warner Brothers an album for 1988, and so this is this is the yeah. album that he puts out. But you know, I still I still like. I mean, I like the idea that he went in, recorded the first track, recorded the last track, and then you know spent the next couple of months kind of filling the gap between those two points. Um, you know, and I think positivity is actually a really good kind of bookend to the album, mm-hmm. uh, and it really fits in with the kind of the opening of I Know as well. Like the kind of the two of those songs really kind of work together. Um, right. You know, particularly as Positivity has the refrain of, you know, yes, over and over again throughout the song. Um, and this obviously has the refrain of no. So, no. you know, it's kind of it's kind of how Prince takes it from the kind of the no at the start to the yes at the end of the album. Yeah. And the fact that they press the CDs all as one track tells you that Prince wanted you to, to listen to the whole thing in like a 40 minute yeah. track. So like when you say, you know, he's, he's taking you on a, on a trip, that is, you know, that is kind of true of in terms of, you know, how the, the album was uh, was produced. You know, it's a good enough start to the album. Um, and, you know, the, I Love Sexy is kind of one of those strange albums because it has a certain level of notoriety, not least of which comes from the cover, which we haven't yes, mentioned. very much so. But we should because 
It is Prince nude uh, with a flower behind him and kind of like a, a white background. And the, fl the stamen of the flower looks suspiciously like um, like it's it's been put where it is for us to kind of suggest something. Uh, and it was so kind of scandalous at the time that um, a number of um, kind of, um, you know, like uh, mainstream record chains sold it in a brown paper bag. Um, oh, wow. They would, they, would not, they would not sell the album, um, you yeah. know, just to people, you know, with the cover showing. And, I mean, you know, 30 years later, it kind of seems a little ridiculous. Uh, but I feel also there's some ways that people haven't kind of moved on and, and I feel like if Prince had done this, you know, released this album this year, it would have had a similar kind of reaction, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, all things considered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I think the cover, obviously, when people think about Prince albums, you know, like he has this kind of weird thing of swinging between covers that have him in them and covers that kind of don't. And yeah. So, you know, after Purple Rain, which featured him quite prominently on his motorcycle, you then had Around the World in a Day, which was just like a collage. And then you had Parade, which again was just a, basically a picture of Prince on a white background. And then you had Sign of the Times, which just has Prince in the corner as like a little blur. And yeah. then you get to Love Sexy, which is all of Prince is on that album. <laughs> and then, you know, you get to Batman, which is just the Batman logo. Um, yeah. And so there's a kind of, there's a swinging between having Prince on the album and having Prince not on the album cover. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I think obviously when Prince, the, the idea that you have this album that's about spirituality, but the cover is so controversial that it, it's sold in a brown paper kind of a cover. It's just, it's kind of funny that that's, you know, that's only something that could happen with Prince is he could make this album yeah. spiritual and people are like, well, but he's naked. Uh, for the decade of the 80s where religion and spirituality kind of, it's, in the U.S. specifically, got associated with the uh, evangelical movement. And Prince was presenting a, uh, presenting in many ways, but presenting a new kind of spirituality, a spirituality that is linked with sexuality. Yeah. So I, that was what he was trying to say. But I just, th I just think it's funny how prudish people are towards an album that essentially is like, there's no, I don't think there's any songs on this album that I would say are like overtly sexual in a way that Prince had done on, you know, any of his previous like four or five right. albums, you know. So this is like the least sexual album he's done, even though the title is Love Sexy, um, you know, and yet it's the one that gets sold with the cover being covered up with brown paper bags, which I just think is quite funny. Um, but so yeah, um, so you know, I feel like we've said as much as we can about I know. Yeah. Um, so let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug? Uh, you can find me at uh, on Twitter at eh Wallace. Great stuff. You can find us on Facebook at Prince Trap by Track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast, or you could email us. Not sure why you would at Prince Trap by Track at gmail .com. Thanks once more for being my guest, Elliot. Here on the first track of Love Sexy, uh, we have you know another eight tracks. Uh, to get through here before we, 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 we'll be done with this album. Uh, and obviously worth saying that if you can find it somewhere, the live version, uh, you know, Love Sexy Live uh, 88, the kind of tour, um, it was released on VHS and Laserdisc, so I feel it's hard to obtain, but you might be able to find it somewhere on YouTube. That show is, you know, worth every penny. Super expensive, cost Prince a lot of money. Uh, he had to leave the stage set in Europe because it was too expensive to, to bring it back to the US. Um, so it's probably in a warehouse somewhere in Germany. Um, but yeah, so, you know, and really worth a watch. Um, you know, the, probably my favourite kind of live performance that Prince, Prince does. Um, and, you know, the, the Love Sexy songs, when performed live, you know, the crowd interaction, you know, is really kind of fun to watch. 
Um, so, but you know, we've got more tracks to go for the moment. I will say goodbye. Bye bye.